Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Modern Aged Middle Life, a podcast brought to you by Emily Baum and Graham Jarvis, comedy writers addressing modern day confusions for the middle aged. So, Emily, um, when you blindfolded me and brought me all the way here, where are we? Well, we're in the middle of some arches in Farringdon, in central London. Some marches? No, arches. Oh, That's okay. a whole other different part of London. So, as part of our road trip yeah. around middle age, Woo-hoo. I've decided to take you out of the comfort zone of the studio yeah. to this very luxurious establishment called the Winemakers Club. There are lots of bottles of wine. I know, this is why I like it in here. As you know, or you may not know, I used to be in the wine trade. I didn't know. Or just a wino, whichever way you look at it, really. Yeah, I've heard rumours about that one. It's quite popular with middle-aged people to start taking up a fancying for wine, as in Uh, trying to mask the amount that they drink by professing that they're interested in it. uh, Oh, And it's great varieties. When they lug it back and then spit some out. Yes, so today... I've done that when I get to the sediment at the end of a bottle of red. It's like, oh, that was such a nice bottle to the very last bit. That's, that's gravy. Yeah. <laughs> you drink in there. That's gravy. That's the granules. I wonder why not many other people shared the liking of mashed potato and wine. <laughs> it could take off. So today we're going to learn how to taste wine properly. Okay. And we're going to have a look at some interesting different wines that you wouldn't normally find in your supermarket. And we're yep. basically going to root around in my brother's cellar. All right. Yeah. Who is your brother's cellar? Is that Ben? <laughs> <laughs> so, my brother is John Baum. John Baum? Yeah. You share the surname. We do. And he is the owner of this fine establishment, okay. the Winemakers Club in Farrington. little plug there for our listeners, should they decide to pop in for a glass of vino or 17. What Basically, was the address? 41A Farringdon Road. We're actually in the arches underneath the tube. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what the rumbling that's was. That's what the rumbling was. I used to, when I was in a band. Did you know I was in a band? I did know you were in a band, okay. yeah. So you I also knew you'd had piles, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> I used to rehearse in places under arches and things Did near you? Waterloo. Yeah. Ah, those are men's saunas now. Are they? Yeah. Times have changed. <laughs> or maybe they haven't. <laughs> yeah, I think the men's sauna, well, they heard us, even if they didn't see us. And Cheers, we've got a glass of wine. Uh, We're starting with a Vespiola. And as you can see, pronouncing wines comes naturally to I don't know. Should we bring over a real expert? So, John, what were we drinking? We were drinking Vespaiolo from the Veneto, from Contraswada. And in English? (laughs) It's a a white wine. It's a white wine. It's It's a white grape variety. Uh, It's called Vespaiolo. They say the origin stems from the word Vespa, which means wasp in Italian. Uh, uh, That's what it's named after, and the ape is named after a bee because they both sound like wasps or bees. Yeah, and bees are ape. Yeah, they're not ape at the moment. (laughs) From the decline. So cool because this grape in the region where it's from, in Braganze, Bassano de Grappa, is famous for making a sweet wine called Toccolato. So, of course, this wine can be left longer on the vine, can become sweeter, and that always draws in insects like wasps because they like the sugar. And diabetics. Usually, no, diabetics their way. <laughs> Not the diabetics. Unless they've got insulin. 
as they're eating the dessert, which I've got my eyes on. I say, I thought you were diabetic. And they say, oh, I'll look out for it another day. Yeah, the diabetics. I keep an eye on the sugar levels. Yeah, I've only known naughty diabetics. It's my cheat day, otherwise known as a day that I go into shock. <laughs> so is this a good entry-level wine for somebody? Because most people walk into a supermarket, don't they? And they go and buy a bottle of whatever is the cheapest Pinot Grigio yep. or a bottle of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. They don't know what they're buying, really. They just like the label. And they probably spend eight quid. It's security. Eight quid, yeah, I mean... That is probably correct. The reality that people don't realise, sadly, is that when they pay £8 on a bottle of wine, how much that wine actually costs. We get people who come in here and say, oh, I don't want to spend that much money on a bottle of wine. But the truth is that... And what do you say? Thank you for coming. Please leave. <laughs> we say the truth. You know, you have to realise that duty in this country currently, per bottle, just for the alcohol duty, is mm. £2.30 a bottle. That's before VAT. So there's 20% on top of that as well. Wow. Yeah. So what should we actually be spending on a bottle of wine? 15 quid? It just depends on how you think about produce and how you think about what you put into your body. It's something that aggravates a lot of people in our industry. You know, you watch a cooking program, for example, you've got a two Michelin star chef, he goes to the butchers and he buys a 70 pound piece of meat for two people. And then the wine they recommend to match with that is four pounds. I mean, it's balance. You've gone to the butchers, you've gone to buy a good piece of meat. Why? Maybe it's a rare breed cattle. Maybe it's raised on a particular diet. Maybe it's been massaged by a group of children on a weekly rotor. I don't know. Like that beef, don't we, Graham? Child massage beef yes. is very yes. popular. I'm sure we could be arrested. It's finger waggers. It depends on what you want to put inside yourself. If you want to drink something that's good for you, well, good for is you. Is it good for you? Is it though? Because I find it's very good for me. I'm a much nicer person after a bottle of wine than I am when I started. Very relaxed. We'll start having a bottle of wine before the podcast in future. Oh, we did it on the Christmas podcast. I was the only one drinking. I had a lovely time. I am not so much. <laughs> when I started to fast Christmas cows, I think you're a bit offended. Yeah, I didn't know a lot of them. <laughs> or it's the way you sang them. So, wine's not good for you? No, wine is good for you. I mean... Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation, of course. But also, I mean, it depends what you're doing while you're drinking. Like, wine is... Or it's, knives, it, not such a good idea. No. If you're eating, for example, wine helps you digest. So it helps your stomach with that process. Uh, but it, it just, it, what is that, the acidity? And tannins as well also help too with the way that they break down fats and uh, meats. Literally, oh, if so you're a carnivore, it's wild. could help me lose weight. If it's breaking down fats, Depends if I how drink more everything wine, in moderation. <laughs> I could lose weight. Because wine is quite calorific as well. I could displace Slimming World with Wino World. <laughs> so how did you amass this knowledge? Did you get locked into a wine Yes, I stayed course? in a lock-in for a very long time. Yes, and I've never <laughs> left. You're just interested in it, aren't you, really? What it comes down is I had an amazing opportunity to do something I love. And it was, when I was younger, it was kind of food and wine and what I enjoyed. And then this sort of thing came along and I loved it. From there, many of my friends I met because of it, and the world has kind of surrounded me, and it's, it's a nice place to be. It's quite a good wine community. Well, I was going to say wino community, but that sort of indicates you've got your own sleeping bag in your own doorway. But I mean, there's a very close-knit <laughs> close wine community, isn't there, yeah. of people that are genuine wine lovers. But do you find you get a lot of people who hit 50, mm. buy a carbon bike and come in here and try and buy the most expensive bottle of wine you've got just out of principle and make out as a new hobby? I mean, there, there are, you, you do find some people who believe, believe, that, believe, that, believe that a credit card is sometimes... That's not really fair, actually. They're more willing to take the number than take the advice. 
So by that, yes. they'll look at the price and go, well, there we go. And then they might look at the app, so their Vivino, for example, which is a very popular app. But the reality is that that makes mistakes too. So it's a classic thing of trusting technology or trusting the price tag of the person selling the bottle of wine. And in most places, of course, the person selling the wine is going to sell you something quite expensive. But in a good place, that won't be the case. They'll sell you something you actually want. I went to a restaurant once where the person that was paying for it said to the waiter, bring me something nice, anything over 50 pounds. If you know nothing about wine, is that a pretty good way of doing it? Hey, yeah, if you trust the person. I mean, 50 quid's not very much nowadays on a wine list, so... Yeah. Well, he was a millionaire, so it's probably... Yeah, he didn't mind. It's quite cheap yeah, for that, yeah. Didn't like me, that's, really. how saying, that's how you yeah. say money. <laughs> it's like shoe. Why do you keep following me? A lot of times. <laughs> Before he bought me that cheap bottle of wine. Terrible. To be honest, you should be looking at, in a restaurant list, you should be able to find some really good wines between 40 and 60 pounds. I mean, that should be where really very good, I mean, I mean that wine you're drinking there, for example, mm. in a restaurant would be 40 pounds. Mm. You're saying this entry level, I mean, it retails about 20 quid. For us, that is an entry level. It's I've just got a complaint go. about this wine. What's that? It's, you finished it's it. Still it's still evaporated. <laughs> it seems to have left my glass. <laughs> I have this problem with certain wines. <laughs> it's the humidity in here. <laughs> What can we try next? I have noticed that as you get a bit older, you'll go out for dinner with friends and they'll either be really cheap on what bottle of wine they'll buy or, you know, you'll hear more people say, I won't have a Chardonnay. I don't like Chardonnay. Yeah. I won't have a Chardonnay. That's my or, wife. Yeah, that, that's the only person I go out with. <laughs> it's true though. So I want to ask John, actually, why do people not like a Chardonnay? Fashion. Yeah. Fashion. Really? Um, they're called Chardonnay. The winemaker's great because you can okay. make it pretty much taste like anything. So to say you don't like Chardonnay is almost to say you don't like wine. And the other great one, of course, is the three main grape varieties planted in Champagne, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier. So yes. most people who say they don't like Chardonnay... Don't like Champagne. Well, they shouldn't do. Mm. Uh, my first job as a sommelier, I remember serving a table. I think probably the way that I was raised is a fault of this, but I... Who, who, I, who were that family? Have yeah. we located them? I've, I've heard one of them liked bats, pipistrels in particular. I've always believed in being honest with people when it comes to... Uh, knowledge, because I think it's bad to mislead people, and I think oh, if that somebody was interesting. Is... I've always believed in being honest when it comes to, but say when it doesn't come. So when do you believe in being dishonest? That was <laughs> an interesting phrasing. When your mother says, "Have you had a cigarette?" and you go, "No." Okay. <laughs> Why are you eating an orange, Emily? Yes. So uh, a customer said to me, "I don't like asking for." I said, "What do you like to drink?" I said, "Well, I don't like Chardonnay, but I love Chablis." So I then said to her, "Well, Chablis is Chardonnay." And she went, no, it's not, it's Chablis. He said, no, the grape variety planted in Chablis is Chardonnay. Uh, wow. So white burgundy, so Pretty Monchet, Chablis, Chasse Montre, all why these great white wines. different to these people, then, that say they well, don't like Chardonnay? Because the, they Chardonnay, like. so let's see, why, people, why do people start drinking Pinot Grigio? Why do people drink Prosecco? Why do people drink Chardonnay when it's fashionable with oak? Why do they stop drinking Chardonnay when it's suddenly too oaky? It's just trend. I've never had that problem. Yeah. What would you normally buy? Whatever my wife tells me to. Very wise. So what are we drinking now? Am I blog. sniffing this properly? Are you putting your nose in the glass? <laughs> Are you putting your nose somewhere else? I'm sniffing Graham, but I was yeah. in the wrong place. Are we supposed to sniff our own yes, wine? You're supposed to, yes, you're supposed to sniff your It's wine. not a communal sniffage. <laughs> <laughs> this smells like quite honeyish. Can you smell honey? I'm <laughs> 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 not calling it honey. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> our relationship is changing. <laughs> so, what are we drinking? Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc is a great variety which 
is a great, great variety. A lot of people now drink uh, Chenin Blanc from South Africa because it's a, it's a oh, sensible yeah. price point. But Chenin Blanc's really at home in the Loire Valley. So this is Chenin Blanc from Mont Louis sur Loire. Are there certain countries we should not buy wine from? If you'd like to have one of my most favourite shopping experiences, which is to go up and down the Isles of Majestic unattended, are there any countries I should avoid, like the plague, like Argentina, Chile? I knew you'd say that. Cuba. <laughs> China. Cuba. <laughs> China has plays a lot of vineyards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, try everything. Of course, that's, part, that's the fun and joy of wine. You try it as much as you can from wherever you like. Mm. And then you can make your own personal choices. What you can often do is you'll experiment with something. Mm. You'll have a, a wine from Chile, for example. Mm. I've had wines from Chile and they've been absolutely disgusting and it put me off Chile. But it was just one type of wine. You weren't eating the spice instead? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the question? What country would you avoid? If someone said I to you, I've any. got a brand new wine and it is from Papua New Guinea. Yeah, it'd be good. I'd love to try it. I'll try the wine yeah. from Papua New Guinea. I don't even know if they're making it. We'll have to Google that. I'm sure they make wine everywhere. We'll a bit of hooch on yeah. the back of the hut. Now, I heard that Germany's had a poor season this year for their ice wines because it didn't get cold enough. That was in the news, yeah. Yeah. When am I supposed to drink ice wine? Whenever you like. It's not like a dessert wine type well, Technically thing. it is, yeah, but I mean, it ages for extremely... I mean, the ice wine they're talking about is quite high-end and extraordinarily expensive. That's hand-picked stuff. That's why I heard about it. Yeah. Most of the ice wine that people consume is made in a freezer, so it's... I thought it, it was made in Canada. Well, Canada. It's cold, more arable okay. winters. Yes. That's probably why I've And, um, yeah, so, because making ice wine is very difficult because you have to wait huge hang time after vintage because you have to wait to the coldest parts of the winter for the grapes to freeze, and then you have to individually pick the berries. So when you say hang time... Yeah, it means how don't... long the grapes are on the vine for. OK. Not people wearing like... shorts around yeah. the vineyards. <laughs> Young people slang. And individually pick the berries. berries. Generally, the best sweet wines are that way. So Tokaizu, the for the high-end Boutonniers, it's the same thing. They individually pick the berries. You have to select the sweetest. Okay. Although, amazing. Although saying that with ice wine, it's quite difficult because usually they're in a block of ice. Yeah. But presumably, each individual can pick more than one. Yeah, it's it depends not like how lazy one they are. Great ratio. Yeah, I was going to say you don't have to get ten thousand people in. No, but to be honest, for the amount that the bottle actually costs, they could probably afford to find to actually really? pay somebody just how to pick one grape. Yeah, what do you think How much are we... Uh, yeah. It's cold work. I'm not sure now, yeah. actually. But I'd, I'd wear my gloves. <laughs> it should be for, for, for good, high-quality <laughs> German, not, not Canadian, yeah. not anything else. German, ice wine will probably... I don't know, half bottles should be two or three hundred pounds on release. Who invented ice wine? The first person that picked grapes that were frozen. Ah, Graham? Jack Frost. Ah. <laughs> you said, ah, that led to the Japanese rice wine, <laughs> presumably, which isn't the same thing. No. Do you sell Japanese wines? Would you sell Japanese wines? I would do if anybody actually imported Japanese wines. Ah, do they not? There are some. There's some stuff from Fuji, but that's kind of like... The camera company. The mountain. Oh, OK. Uh, so that's... Um, I suddenly feel like bursting into song. He said mountain. Feels like a lumberjack time or something. But no, let's go. Well, I was going to go Hills Are Alive. Found that, music. That took us back to the feet at the very yeah. start of our conversation. Yeah, we do like to make a lot of sense. Of it, yeah. <laughs> but there is some other interesting stuff around there as well. But I, I, I only tried it when I was in mm. Japan. So. I've had Chinese rice wine in Chinese restaurants. Yeah, that's and beautiful. Isn't that just it, the way they pronounce the word nice? Have you ever tried ghost wine? Ghost? Yeah, it's not. Chinese rice. Why does it make you die? Because it's, it's like fire nice. water. Yeah. 
I was in Tokyo about three years ago because a friend of mine just had a kid, so I went over and saw stared at it. said child. And I was in a strange food store in Ibiza, which, and uh, I got stopped by some Japanese businessmen with their Taiwanese counterparts. And they called me over, and later on, after a few oysters together, then we bumped each other again, and they had a bottle of Taiwanese orange wine or white wine, it was called, but it was a rice wine. And the hangover the next day was sensational. Would you say you were under the influence of an Asian persuasion? <laughs> Couldn't this be a buddy system, like in diving, where if you don't want to drink the wine, you bring somebody like us along, and we'll drink it for you. <laughs> oh, what fizz have you got open? You say rosé fizz. It's vibrato. Vibrato. So how long have you had winemakers for? I probably do know, but at this point I like to look like I'm interested. <laughs> the business or the... This premises. This premises, five and a half years. And do you think that people's attitude towards wine has changed at all within that five-year period? No? Just shrugging. Fascinating. This is going to give you a panorama. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's always changes in trends. There's always changes in demands. Where do you see the next big thing in the wine world? He's opening a bottle of fizz, by the way. He's trying to do it quietly, which is great on an audio product. <laughs> you can be as noisy as you like. So what is this one? Champagne. So Vibrato, this is from um, Laurent Bernard. They're a founding producer in Marosso I in, uh, in Champagne, so in the Val de Marne. A classic blend, uh, varying percentages of Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. Five and a half years on the lease. And how do you pick the champagnes you want in the shop? Because they're not standards. I'm not looking at Verve, Clicquot or no, Moet or any of that. These are all different independent. Are they independent producers? Yeah, are they're they? all what's termed as grower producers. Why are they called growers? Because they grow their own fruit and make their own wines. Ah. And they, so they do everything from scratch? Yeah, so instead of, which is the old history of champagne, selling their fruit to the, the big houses like Verve, Clicquot, Bonnet, etc. You've been trying to sell your fruit to the big houses for years. No takers. No takers at all. I'm wondering, do you have to go to each country or is there like an Argos catalogue equivalent? for you, you flick through all the wines and you think, oh, I like the look of that. Looks can be deceiving. That's true. How yeah. many people have bought a wine based on a label? Oh, thank goodness, I thought you were going to say how no. many people have said that to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how many people have bought a wine based no, on a very nice label and the wine's been nice? Everybody. Me. Everybody has. Mm. Yeah. That's what you look for, isn't it? You look at the label first. If you like the label, then you make a judgment call. Yeah, my biggest mistake was in Halfords. It turned out it was oil. But... We can all make simple mistakes, can. don't we? Yeah. You didn't speak for weeks, though, did you? <laughs> I, I told that. you, he's quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He's funnier than more of his wine I drink. <laughs> You've got more champagnes than I remember. Yep. Is that because it's on the rise again? Uh, Are they up from Prosecco? Or they... Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, we... we... Everyone thinks that Prosecco is a bit of a cheap, cheap cousin to champagne, though, don't they? Not There's no process to it whatsoever. There's no similarities to the wines whatsoever. Oh, OK. They're not made the same way. OK, because I know a lot of people assume that Prosecco is the Italian version of champagne. No, no, that's Franciacorta is generally the Italian version of champagne. The method of production is completely different. Mm, interesting. Why is it so different? Okay, so Prosecco is made in an incredibly cheap and very easy way. Is predominantly, it? predominantly. Not all of it. You can find stuff like Colfondo, which is generally cloudy and left on the lees, so that's re-fermented in bottle. But traditionally speaking, with Prosecco, uh, one of the great reasons that you can always, as an importer, order Prosecco all year round, they never run out, you take a wine already and then you just put it in a large tank and um, do the secondary fermentation in that tank and then bottle it. Make it sure. busy. Whereas, yeah, that's it. Oh. So it's very easy to make, very cheap to do. I mean, the problem is that because the demand for Prosecco is so high, Prosecco technically can only be made from a small area. Mm. And obviously there's much more Prosecco made than 
realistically you can get from that small area. So uh, with champagne, it's a lot more lengthy. Mm. So how does it happen then? You very Dahlia. And then champagne is a whole other different thing altogether. You are picking the fruit at a certain time, retaining acidity, and then you you are letting fermentation happening, and then you are after fermentation, you are then bottling it with a deposit, should we say, which depends on the producer, depends what they're using, which induces secondary fermentation in the bottle. And then you leave it on the lees, on the yeast deposits, which you have from the original fermentation, and that for depending on the quality of the champagne or the style of champagne you wish to make. Uh, Do they explode the bottles? No, not anymore. They used to. Yeah. So that's the reason why... they used to explode. Well, that's why the English, the English invented sparkling champagne, not the French. What? Because the French kept blowing themselves up. Okay, it's, <laughs> the it's, it's not it particularly exciting. It's all to do with what you use to stoke your fires. Oh. So in the... Is that plan? Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah. In the late 1600s, late 1600s, there was glass in France was produced by, obviously, furnaces would be heated with wood. Whereas in England, it was illegal to actually use wood in fires. The Admiralty had made it illegal because they wanted to build more ships. So we used coal. Coal burns at a much higher temperature. And because of that, our glass was much stronger. And that coincided with, again, a fashion where the English have always quite liked a sweeter style of wine. So even up into the 90s, Jacob's Creek were adding half a teaspoon of sugar to each bottle for the UK market. Really? So each market for those wineries would have a different recipe of wine. So the Chardonnay we would get from Jacob's Creek would be different to the Chardonnay the US would get from Jacob's Creek and in Australia, and that would be where we go. So we would... So pre presumably in America, it would be just um, a teaspoon full of wine and a bottle of sugar. Really. Basically, and yeah. some wood chips as well. So with that, we used to ship in cast then not in bottle. Uh, that was what was normal up until 77 when it became illegal. And so the wine was bottled in England. They'd add some sugar to it, put the stopper back in it, and the sugar, like I was saying about the addition into champagne they put, would induce a secondary fermentation. And with that, you'd have a sparkling champagne. And the first mention, I think, in England is a mid or late 1600s. Whereas at the time in champagne, it was considered to be a fault to have a sparkling wine, because it'd be re-fermenting in bottle. So ah. the, and the glass would explode. Oh, so they thought it was a mistake? Yeah. And we thought, well, we'll have a bit like. Yeah. So mm. that's why the first reference comes from London, not from champagne. We're learning an awful lot, aren't we? Yeah, and I, getting squiffy. Yeah. I've, quest, I've <laughs> got a question. So what makes something a liquid to be called wine <laughs> as opposed to beer or something else? It's all fermented things, aren't they? Yeah, but it's grapes. We've got, right, but yeah, we've got rice wine, so... Yeah, but rice wine... Uh, rice. That's, that's actually a very, very good question. Thank you. Oh, don't Thank you. do that again. You're ruining this light-hearted podcast with sensible questions. And, you're, and the answer is, I, I'm presuming that the, the term rice wine for the likes of, of, of sake in Japan, and, and I'm not really quite sure what it would be termed off in China in, in the language, it was, was to help explain what it was. Whereas, traditionally, I mean, we don't, you're quite right, we don't call apple ciders apple wine. Mm. We don't call perries pear wine. No. You know, most people call berry cider, which is really annoying, but that's something I've got. Um, or a of so, London Pride wine. Yeah. Traditionally, is thought of just be for fruit, fruits and grapes. Okay. Although saying that, I mean, people make, you can make alcoholic beverages from pretty much any fruit. Yeah, or anything. Anything with sugar. No, you I'm can thinking. have it. I mean, you can make, uh, I mean, uh, like, all over England, we have uh, Gauls, which has the yellow flower. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 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 So you can pick that and you can ferment that if you want to. You just have to add sugar and water. And that's it. So it's That's a little sideline. Elder, actually, there is elderflower. People call elderflower wine elderflower wine, don't they? But there's absolutely the only thing in there is the flowers of the elder tree. So. Yeah. Flowers of the elderly. The elderly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
fleur de lis. Elle is brought to you by HUK. So what's your favourite wine? Currently? Yeah. The one that's in my glass. <laughs> Is that always the case? Yes. There's no point having a favourite anything if you love something. I don't know, if you've got kids perhaps it's different. But generally speaking, if you have a great passion for something, if you have a favourite, it kind of cuts off your adventure. OK, I will tell you what happens when I get home and I say to my wife, I love you, but you're not my favourite. Well, I will tell you... You'll shortly be homeless, I'm sure, yes. <laughs> Dangerous ground to me. So what's this about the best temperature? for wines. Where does that come from? And why red's got to breathe and be room temperature and white? Not room temperature, no. You don't really want any wine really at room temperature. No. Room temperature is too warm. Problem. So boiling it's brilliant. Yeah, that's really good. It's good for your gravy, but that's about it. Making it into mulled wine. Yeah, we've already done mulled wine. No, I mean, in England we drink white wine too cold and we drink red wine too hot. So, what temperature should my white wine be? Well, I mean, it depends on the wine. Okay, the reason why we like white wine too cold is because, going back to the start of our conversation in regards to people going to the supermarket and buying an eight pound bottle of wine, mm. when you do that and you make that wine extremely cold, you can't really taste anything, yeah. and that's the benefit. It, you can't see anything either. So that's the purpose of chilling it super cold, because if it was actually at a decent, appropriate temperature, you realise it's absolutely disgusting. Why is it some wine tastes like wet cat? Uh, wet cat or cat's pee? No, wet cat. You know, you, you know when you get a wet animal, there's a smell, isn't yeah. it? And sometimes yeah. you can have wine, and it'll taste like that. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. This explains your research then, where somebody said they'd seen you going around the woods Looking sniffing animals. different animals. Yeah. <laughs> this has revealed to me just how I've not been thinking over well, these it, years. I think it's highlighted so, how little, even though we are wine drinkers and people who enjoy wine, how little we actually know about what we're putting in our faces. Yeah. What are your views on the ways bottles are closed? Cork, screw top, and all the rest of it, for those desperate to get in there. <laughs> yeah. For those that have very weak wrists. Or I'll just smash the top of them. <laughs> yeah. Use a large sword. <laughs> Indeed. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, but they're all personal. I mean, I don't like screw cap. The wine oxygenates at a similar level under screw cap as it does under cork, some people say. I personally, I'm very fond of cork We're with technology. Out of it, aren't we? How do you run out of something that regrows? I think it's because all the women on Etsy use it to make pimples. Probably. Do you think you'll be in wine forever? What else can I do? You could be an organ donor. Short-lived, <laughs> but high net worth. Could be a hair person, model. You got asked to model once, didn't you, by that lady? That was I wasn't high. quite sure if that was true, yeah. <laughs> she said you'd make a lovely model as she let her Labrador lick your leg. <laughs> in this place, surrounded by these wines, mm. do you find it sometimes irresistible to drink a glass or two? Or? Are you very disciplined and you will not drink unless you're... He's you're, passed out have now, you, have, no. you, have you, <laughs> have you met any other members of my family? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank okay. you very much indeed, John, for having us here at the Winemakers Club in Farringdon, where we've enjoyed some lovely white wines, some champagne, and we're now about to embark on the rosés, the reds, and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so many bottles to try, I can't wait. I know, and it's in the, underneath the arches, which makes it off for the song coming on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>